You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, and I'm your host, Brett Fisher. These are edited audio-only versions of my YouTube live show that you can join every Thursday at brett.live. This podcast is sponsored by my Patreon members. I'd like to thank all the paid supporters that make this show possible. You can get more info and follow my updates on all the content and open source I'm creating at patreon.com slash brettfisher. And as a reminder, all the links for this show, the topics we discuss, as well as the links I've already mentioned, are available on the podcast website at podcast.brettfisher.com. In this episode, I'm joined by Docker Captain Brandon Mitchell, who's been on the show before, and we've known each other for years in the Docker Captain's program. He, among other things, is one of the biggest Docker supporters on Stack Overflow. So if you've ever asked a Docker question or a Kubernetes question or anything around containers on Stack Overflow, chances are that he was one of the people helping out. Anyway, the reason I had asked Brandon to be on the show this time was to talk about container registries. We all take them for granted, especially if we're not having to maintain our own and we're just using cloud services, but they're absolutely fundamental to every piece of the puzzle when it comes to modern cloud native container workflows. We're all pushing and pulling images from somewhere, and we maybe don't quite understand all of the little details. So I asked him on the show and we talk through a lot of things. We go into what is the API spec, what is Docker Hub versus the API spec, and maybe some of the other options out there and how they might be slightly different. And then how he's building a set of tools called Reg Client that are small little command line tools, each for focusing on a specific problem, usually for automation, but obviously can be used by humans but they're all around managing your images and workflows in registries, specifically with command line automation. So we get into that. We obviously have a lot of demos on the full YouTube live show that you can watch in the show notes, but this is the trimmed down version that makes sense for those of us listening on a podcast. So I hope you enjoy our little bit of a deep dive talk into container registries with Brandon Mitchell. Welcome to the show, Brandon. He is in the top 0.04% of Stack Overflow and has answered 1,809 questions on Docker. That's a lot. As well as Dockerfile, Docker Compose, Swarm, Linux, all these other things. But yeah, he spends a lot of his time on Stack Overflow. So you've probably, if you've ever asked a question there on Docker or anything related to containers, he may have helped you. It's a good chance. So thank him for that. What's up, man? Yeah, I definitely answered a bunch of questions over there. Not all on the same day. So that, that spread out <laughs> that a little bit of time there. Right. So a little bit about Brandon, in case you all have not seen him on the show before, because I think this is like your third or fourth time, maybe. Second, second like this. And then we, yeah. so we're at the Docker Con. So yeah, I count that as one of my shows. Don't tell anybody. There you go. Uh, yeah. He, he actually doesn't live that far from me. We live about four hours, three to four hours apart. He actually lives up in Northern Virginia near Washington, D.C. And he's, for most of his career, I mean, he's been working with Docker for a long time, since the beginning. And for most of his career, he's been helping operations teams as a consultant. So we do very similar things. We both help companies operationalize their development and deployment of software and turn it into robots that can do a lot of the work for us and make things go faster. So we've got tons to talk about today. We could make this a four hour show and it would just go on and on, but we're not going to do that. Yeah. Sadly, I don't have that much time. That's right. And you've got to get back to the job, the job of helping other people. But right now 
we're focused on registry. And there's a lot of topics to talk about with registry. And one of the things that Brendan and I were talking about before the show was how do we narrow this conversation? Because if you're using Docker, if you're creating containers, you're using Kubernetes, you are having to deal with some sort of registry, probably on a daily basis. So today we're trying to focus the conversation around a new tool that he's created, a set of tools. But really it's about that middle part of your container and image lifecycle. So to me, there are tools that create images, a lot of tools to do that. We're not talking about those. There are tools that help you run images as new containers and manage containers. We're not going to talk about those. We're going to focus the conversation so that way we can get deep specifically on managing the push and pull of images. And then when they're on the registry, like dealing with that problem of images on registries. That sound about right? It does. I spend a lot of my time helping clients out when they're in the developing CI CD pipelines. And so I tend to see a lot of those challenges where they build the image, they shift up to a registry, but then they need to do something else extra with it. And so this, I start building these tools to try to give them that little bit of extra that they tend to ask for things like retagging an image as part of your CI pipeline or doing some kind of cleanup policy or copying images back and forth. So I've, I've kind of extended these tools based off of that kind of logic of how do we do this as part of our pipelines? Yeah. And often, even though we have technically a couple of other tools out there, Docker does talk to registries. And we've even seen this new experimental tool from them <laughs> right around the time of your tool called a hub tool, I believe, which is a small start on them trying to do this with Docker. But you've kind of taken it a step further, at least from what I can tell. And you're more focused on maybe the non, some of this stuff is like user focused, but some of this stuff you're meaning for robots to do, right? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit farther in that I've got a lot more functionality I built into it, but it's also a little bit narrower in that I'm not digging deep into registry specific API calls in this. This is all generic Docker's registry v2 API they put out there. And I'm going to, at some point, get more into this with the OCI specs as well. So this is stuff that's going to work, hopefully, across every registry out there. And so one of the reasons I'd like to chat about and get it out to some of your audiences to say, hey, are there registry servers that some of this stuff doesn't work on? And if so, let's get some issues raised and start digging into that, make sure this is as uh, registry independent as possible. Yeah. And that's key here too, because when we start talking about registries, we do now have a standard for how these APIs are supposed to work. We continue to see certain applications that people add layers on top of that to extend the built-in API. But you're focused specifically on the V2 sort of standard. What is it? Is the OCI registry standard or is it distribution standard? I don't even actually... No, yeah, they've, the spec. they've got several specs out there under OCI. And so they've got the image spec out there that's been out for a while and everybody started adding support for that. The distribution spec, though, would actually implement the registry side of this. That that's one, what I'm looking for. Uh, last yeah. check. Yeah, I don't believe they have released it yet. I've been kind of keeping an eye on them. And every once in a while, sometimes somebody hits the button to push a bunch of their videos of their meetings up to YouTube. And so I go checking those out to see what the latest progress is, because this is one I think a lot of people don't realize is not uh, 1.0 yet. And a lot of us would really like to see it get to there. <laughs> is this the one in, under open containers? Yep. That's all OCI is open containers. Yeah. Okay. And so getting that to 1.0 would mean that we now have a spec for registries to work with. And then it'd be nice to take this tool and say, let's make it not just the Docker v2 registry spec, but also an OCI registry spec. And then within that, they're going to be the images and the images themselves might be 
a Docker spec or an OCI spec. You've got that for the contents as well as the overall transportation images. Right. And I guess it's important to state here for those that are using Docker and Kubernetes tools every day, that this API spec, it's the one piece that pulls all these pieces of the puzzle together. Most of the tools out there are either pushing images or pulling images from a registry, and they're doing that via this API. So it, this is actually something that we're all already using. We may not be aware of, is it V1, V2, you know, all that kind of stuff. And is, is it proprietary to my specific tool and the specific registry that I'm using, like maybe Docker Hub or some other a third-party registry or whatever? Like when you're using an ECR registry, you're, you got to deal with AWS's authentication, which is, I guess at this point, technically proprietary because it's not used by other registries and Docker Hub has some of their own extended stuff. So you're building tools under this repo, right? They're all under this reg client repo? They are. They're all under reg client. It's currently a mono repo and break it up into individual repos. Haven't done that yet just because I've got a lot of changes I'm planning on making on this stuff. And so I'd like to be able to easily make a lot of breaking changes basically, and not have all the tools need to coordinate those kind of changes. Yeah. But, yeah. So we have people in that know about this, have used it. Oh, Portis. Right. Portis. That's, that's like a wrapper around Docker distribution that you can get as a, like a GUI manager for the okay. open source Docker registry. And I think it's from SUSE. Yeah. A lot of these things are all talking the registry V2 spec. And it's Interesting, if you go down to the spec itself, a lot of these things are listed as optional. And when you start writing tools like this, sometimes you skim over that. And so I've gotten uh, bitten by a few times when I look at, for example, AWS, sometimes they will build their images by hand, custom homegrown with their own tooling. And so you start to realize all these things that even though we're all working on the same spec, if we start building these things with different tools, you start finding those little edge cases that you need to sort out sometimes. Yeah, I think I was talking to someone in the Docker team recently that there was, it was either Docker or Compose, they were essentially fixing a bug that people were exploiting in a way that they, it was basically a feature that they were, people were using that they didn't intend that was causing a problem with the uh, Docker Hub API. And they were trying to resolve, they had, they had to update the tool somehow. I can't remember exactly the context, but yeah, it was one of these things where it's like, well, that's not really in the spec and we shouldn't really use it that way. So we're gonna have to change Docker so that it doesn't use Hub or the registries in a way that we, it shouldn't. Yeah, so we're not going to talk about necessarily web management or different ways to deploy registry. Let's just assume you all have a registry, whether you're using Docker Hub or one of the other thousand tools out there, Harbor, uh, one of the cloud ones that the clouds have their own now. Portis is one of those few, I think like Harbor, that you can deploy your own on your own storage. I don't actually recommend that to most people because running your own registry is work. And ideally, if you can buy one or use a cloud one, like that's highly recommended, it, unless you just have spare time and you, you want another job because this is a job. But going back to Reg Client, so you talked about that there are multiple tools here. What's the elevator pitch? If I'm like, if I'm a developer or someone who works in operations and I have to deal with images, what's the elevator pitch for why I want to go to this repo? So I started this one off. It Kind of built off of my DockerCon talk from last year where I was talking about doing, uh, creating your own mirror. And so you very often would love to have someone else manage this stuff for you. But some of us, we have things that maybe they aren't in the cloud, or maybe if they are in the cloud, we still want to have a little bit more control of this stuff. And you start spinning up your own registry with your own mirror of some kind of things that are maybe on Docker Hub or any other registry out there. And the way you interact with that from the Docker command line before was you start doing pushes and pulls. And you realize very quickly, especially if you have 
CI pipelines for all the steps are ephemeral that if I want to do a update of that image, I want to refresh it. I have to go out there and pull the image upstream and then push it back to my registry. And if nothing changed at all, and that was a whole lot of bytes I pulled back and forth for no reason at all. And so I started making this kind of tooling here that said, let me at least solve that problem to start with. Let me hit that quick little issue of, I just need to either maybe re-tag an image that's up in a registry, or I want to mirror an image that is on a different registry and get this moved over. And there are a lot of use cases or a lot of scenarios in those commands where you don't need to pull every layer of every image all over again. And since we're just talking to registries and over the registry API, we really shouldn't even need to have a privileged container that you'd normally have to spin up with the Docker engine that says, okay, let's spin up a privileged Docker engine and then connect to that and say, this Docker engine needs to do the push and pull. We can get all of that out of our CI pipeline and just say, let me just talk to this registry API directly. And it's just an HTTP call, HTTPS, make sure everything's secure. And we're just pulling the layers, but only if we need to. And there's a lot of tricks and tweaks that we can do to make sure that we're not pulling these layers if we don't need to. And that's going to be very handy at some point when we start looking at this stuff and we get into st things like the Docker rate limits. If you don't need to pull that image every time, but you can still check every five minutes, you can be updated really quick when something changes, but not hitting your rate limit constantly from all those pulls constantly. Yeah, that's an important topic. And I'm not sure if your tools were I mean, they seemed to come out around the time last year that we were talking about rate limits. Was that a motive of the final straw or motivation for you to do some of this stuff? So the presentation at Docker Hub was the original motivation. But the rate limits were the motivation for my DockerCon talk because I knew the rate limits were coming even before they came because Docker likes to sometimes leak this stuff to the captain so we can tell them that the community is going to pull the pitchforks out if they try to do that. And so... They gave us a hint that this stuff was coming down. They need to find some way to do it. And so I came up with my DockerCon talk that said, let's find a better way to do that. And then roughly around the same time that they were coming out with the rate limits, I was starting to have this stuff uh, coming out about the same time, give or take. So very early on when they started adding their rate limits on their side, I started picking off those API calls and starting to embed that in the tool as well so that we could start to see these rate limits within the tooling itself. Yeah, so. this is actually a really great idea, by the way. You have a side topic. You have an entire repo just on your presentations. I appreciate talks that are people solving their own problem rather than talking about a product or teaching people on a product, which is a lot of what I do. But both of us have done DockerCon talks where we're just, we had a problem. We imp implemented a solution and we may have created something or we had to implement someone else's solution to solve a problem. And we felt that it was complex enough that we should tell other people about it. And we made a whole talk about it. And you do that really well. In fact, I referenced your stuff year over year, like your captain's tips uh, is great. I still reference that for some of the stuff that I didn't know about volumes back in the day of, around how to basically make named volumes that are all these different sort of hacks that you can not really hacks, but ways that you can exploit the Docker volume tooling that I didn't know about, especially in YAML. And that was really cool. And I send it to my clients all the time because they're always trying to do stuff with Docker that isn't exactly in the help. And a lot of that stuff in there is great. You also, I think, are the one that mentioned to me the first time that I had a little shell script that would automatically clean up images. And I think you mentioned to me that, yeah, this, this may be a problem if you were actually downloading images for a new app that you were deploying while that script happened to be running, which caused me to talk about it on this channel, which caused someone in chat to actually give me a PR that on one of my repos where I, I show off this script that auto does auto image cleanup, it, it only looks for images older than 24 hours now because of someone else's contribution. And so it's a great example of like, 
we're in the open. This is all open source. People are improving other people's stuff all the time and how, even if we're just talking about it, other people will learn from it and make it better. So yeah. And, and it comes full circle because one of those tips and tricks actually came from your talk of doing that image cleanup. I took your little run a service, run a container. It just has a shell script in there. It just runs every 24 hours or whatever it is and does that. I completely ripped that one off and put that in my tips and tricks and then make sure to credit you down below and said, yeah, yeah, of course you're a nice guy. For people that don't know, let's back up a second. About a year ago, Docker started notifying us that they were going to start limiting last fall. So last autumn, October timeframe, November timeframe. They started rate limiting so that that top 1% of people that are using Docker images without paying for them and without logging in would hit limits. And that then created this whole discussion around how we as practitioners need to be a little bit more responsible with shared resources on the internet and that we need to implement something called a pull through cache. And we're probably going to get later talk about that. But for those of you out there, if you are not aware of pull through cache, you definitely want to keep basically hang out with us for a little bit because you're going to probably have to deal with that. If you've been using Docker Hub this whole time or some other registry this whole time, at some point, you're going to realize that you maybe need some extra layer of protection as well as caching for performance and bandwidth and all those other reasons. And that's not exactly intuitive. To even get that set up, is it just a five-minute thing? Um, there, your clients have to change. You have to set up servers and do things on servers. So let's start breaking these down. I want to dig in a little bit on the pull-through cache, so because that, that goes back to the talk. And there, there are two schools of thought on this one. There is the, let's get the really easy button out there, which is the spin up a pull through cache and Docker has that um, built into the registry code today. And I, I've kind of chat with them on the side and there's thoughts, maybe we can make this a little better. We can fork it off on a little side project. Not sure when or if any of that might happen, but when you do the pull through cache, every time you do your image, it doesn't necessarily go all the way upstream and reset and make sure that the upstream images then refresh at that point. So it does have a little bit of a lag. Whenever something updates upstream, you might miss on that lag. And then whenever it does do that check, it's kind of a hard check at that point. You're definitely going to check upstream to make sure that that image is there. And if you've hit the rate limit at that exact moment, if maybe something went down, you may have an out or something like that, you don't start using the stale images, I don't believe. And so it's not a very tunable, configurable tool. And the last thing that was a challenge for me with a lot of that was that it didn't handle the private images very well. And so if you had a private repo that you wanted to pull from with the pull through cache, either you wouldn't do it with the pull through cache, or you had to put your credentials on that cache. And that meant anybody that could touch that cache could also grab your private images as well, because default, usually the pull-through cache isn't set up to authenticate anything from the client side back. It was only authenticating, hey, I'm a pull-through cache. Let me authenticate to the Docker Hub to pull these images. So that was one school of thought. The other school was to say, let's just make our own mirror manually these things. And so a lot of the, this tooling we're going to talk about today is to say, what if we started to make our mirror and what would it take to manage that mirror? And how can we make that easier? Right. Yeah, because at the end of the day, really, mirroring and caching, these are all protections that if you're relying on images as your major source of how you update code, if a container fails or a server dies, these things all need to be, still need to work. And we've got so many tools out there, but none of them seem to sp focus explicitly on this problem of, hey, I don't really want a harbor, right? I don't need a fancy solution like that necessarily. Maybe some people do, some people eventually go there, but I just need a simple mirror. Yeah, a simple mirror or a simple pull through cache. 
what is my easiest way to do that? That is a question that I don't have an answer to. To be fair, I haven't watched your DockerCon talk, so I should do that. Step one. So you're pointing out that I've got that presentation repo and yeah. I've got a PR that has not gone up into that yet. That'll be the next talk that I'm going to have pushed up there, which is for the Reg client and Reg CTO and some of these other tools. Oh, nice. Um, so I've got, I've got an empty environment right now and a bunch of commands I do enable deletes and validation. I've ran some issues and I started mirroring some Windows images because Microsoft, you don't actually get the layers of the Microsoft images from the Docker Hub registry. They actually mm -hmm. go over to Microsoft server for that one. There's an external URL in there. And so you need to validate that URL and I need to talk to some Docker people to figure out how I can properly validate. But for now, I just turn that off. By the way, that's an excellent point you brought up that someone asked me the other day and I didn't have an answer for them. For the Microsoft images on Hub, they do seem to be pointing externally and someone wanted to know how could they do that? And I was like, I don't actually know. There. Could they just make your own there. custom manifest and then push it to, to Hub and then that's all you need? Yeah, there's some very low level stuff you can do for that one. I've never tried to do it. So that, that's a good question of, you know, what would break and what it might take to implement that. It's not something you're going to find support from out of the box for many of the Docker tools. So this would be something you're making your own custom image to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. But not that didn't want to sidetrack yeah. too far. I just, I, I didn't realize that. And then when I did, someone was like, Hey, I want to do that. I want to store my images somewhere else, but I want them listed on Docker hub essentially is what that kind of ends up being. But I think yeah. it's a special deal that either Microsoft set up or they worked with Docker specifically on, I don't know. Well. Yeah. Because of that validation, I wouldn't be surprised if you try to do that if Docker Hub says, hey, that's not a valid upstream registry you're pointing to, and so you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Just because they probably got that check in there more than likely. So interestingly enough, okay, so like this reg control, uh, is that how we say it? I say reg cuddle. Reg cuddle, okay. We have been split apart so much by this pandemic, I think it is time that we all just kind of embrace the cuddle. Right, embrace the cuddle. All right. I like it. So Reg Cuddle, one of the, because we've got multiple CLIs to look at, but one of the things that Reg Cuddle can do is copy an image from one registry to another, which even if you did Docker, interestingly, Docker, like we've all probably written scripts or had to deal with automating a Docker push, a Docker pull rather, a Docker tag, and then a Docker push. And that is an amazingly complex thing to do because it then assumes you have a Docker engine daemon running in the background somewhere. It will then copy the entire image locally and then store it in your cache. And then when you push it somewhere, it will push it to that place. And then you have to probably clean up your local cache because you maybe don't want to keep, you don't want to fill up your local storage on whatever system you're using. So it's, I can see why this is like one of your top things, because when you're working in CI, you don't always have a Docker daemon. You don't always have a ton of storage. You don't always have your CI pipelines don't always sit around forever. So you don't have this long running thing that you can always deal with. And we've often wished we had these easy little tools that could just do automated stuff with a, a registry without any other additional requirements other than that single binary living somewhere in my CI solution. So this is neat. I'm liking it. Yeah. And it, it's not just that it's a single binary is living there. It's also shipped as an image. So if you have a lot of these CI tools that like GitHub, GitLab, a whole bunch of these CI tools out there, with the exception kind of quasi of Jenkins, because Jenkins likes to make its own little DSL. A lot of them just say, give us your Docker image to run, and we're going to run it in CI with whatever command right. you want to run inside of it. And so all this stuff runs very nicely within those kind of scenarios. And so 
what you saw back there, a whole bunch of these things running, it was a whole bunch of copy layer, copy config, copy another layer, copy another layer. It was copying all those pieces back and forth and a whole bunch of them. The image that I copied wasn't really all that big. There was a lot more happening behind the scenes than normally what you would see with a Docker push and a Docker pull. But right. just kind of want to give you an idea that we just now mirrored an image that was originally up on Docker Hub locally to my little local registry. The next command was to say, let me, instead of doing a copy from Docker Hub, let me just copy between one repo to another repo on the same registry. And this is just, you would still have to do a push and a pull normally with Docker commands. But now if I ran this, what was happening under the covers, but these commands ran really quick because it didn't actually copy anything. All the stuff under the covers, all it was doing was just saying, hey, registry, take that layer that's sitting over in this um, other repo on the same registry and just do a little soft copy. And it's kind of think of it like a symbolic link on registry land that happens server side. So we didn't actually have to push or pull any of these layers to move from one repo to another repo on the same registry. Right. Registries have that intelligence in there. So and yeah, it's, it's grabbing the SHA of each one of those layers and then sort of mapping it. Yeah. yeah and it, it tells the registry directly, hey, registry, grab this layer from this other repo. And the registry comes back and says, oh yeah, I can do that. I'll take care of that for you. And so we never had to download and pull and push that layer. And it, we can even get better than that. So the way that RegCuddle knows how to do that is when the URL is specifying the same host, like, or the, yeah, or the tag rather is the same host. Server. Yeah. Okay. It just, it just when goes, yeah. if these match, I'm just going to do this. I'm not actually going to download tarballs or whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it, it tries, if it doesn't work, then it'll fall back and actually pull the layers. So if for some reason, the registry server says, hey, I don't support that API call, then we fall back. But at least this just really speeds up the process, especially when you're thinking you might have a staging repo and a production repo and the production repo has a lot more lockdown on the ACLs. You can have this kind of copy going back and forth. It's just all server side, nothing for the client to do. And so we didn't actually have to pull those layers down to get this thing moved from one repository to another. Yeah. So we've got, so far we've got regcuddle image copy, and there's three ways that this copy command can work. It can either literally copy the layers of the image from one location to another. It can associate layers of a new image you're creating or a not a new image you're creating, but you're creating an association between images like a symlink. And the third one is we're just going to retag this image because uh, that's, that's kind of what you would do with a promotion, right? Where if quite often my teams will they're in CI, they're doing testing on an image. So they don't want that to be the official image anyone depends on. They do maybe reuse the latest image. And that's really just meant for like convenience of developers to find what, you know, or whatever. Some of my teams will actually use the prod label as a convenient human label for reusing so that if anyone ever wants to know what's running in the production environment and just pull down the exact same code, they don't have to go look up the SHA hash or whatever is it really in production or look up real server stuff. They can just pull the production image so these are all, in my mind, that's a, a level of promotion or a type of promotion where we're saying this image that already is there, it's now going to, it needs some other information. And if we had other ways to label things, <laughs> we could maybe use those, but we all we have is tags. So we're re-tagging that image. And those are common every day, like people that I think do this in production, they're all are having to deal with these problems. This is an everyday problem for a lot of people. They really do. But this is when I turn debugging on, you can start to see each one of these individual API calls going out. So... Under the covers, this thing is doing all those checks back and forth of, do I need to do this copy? Do I need to move these layers around? And when I'm doing some of these things between different repositories, you know, when I ran that one to your repo and specify something like that, which you end up seeing from those same things instead of the um, copy not needed, 
is that it's doing got a blob copy on the server side and it's actually sending, it does this post request and it just says in this post request, grab from this other repo, this URL. And so I didn't actually send any data. I just said, Hey, just copy this thing over. And it just did this little mount command from another repo of that same blob. And the registry server came back and said, Hey, we've got that layer already over there. So we can do that. We don't have to have you pull that layer and push it back and forth to us. You know, we can do this all server side. So that was getting deep into the weeds there for a lot of people, but it's all there if you're interested. Is that rate limit command you have up there, the regcuddle image rate limit, is that a Docker Hub specific thing? The rate limit is looking at an API call that's coming back. I've only ever seen this implemented in Docker Hub, but the call itself, it doesn't necessarily have to be Docker Hub specific, but if you run this against any other repo out there, if I was to query my local registry, it's just going to come back and say, hey, you know what? There is no rate limit set. It is false. So this command will work against any registry, but I don't think I've ever seen any other public right. registry implement this right. yet. But who knows? Maybe they will now that they're seeing all the users from Docker Hub coming over and flooding their registries. So there are people that take my courses and there are customers or clients of mine that at some point will hit these limits, right? If they're using Docker Hub, they might hit it in Kubernetes and their local Docker. And it would be really interesting. There's a common enough occurrence of this that I feel like there should be an automated little tool. Maybe, maybe we can w work out something later where you just run this image and it will somehow find all the images, all, the, all of the repos rather that you own or whatever that account owns or something, and then goes and checks all the rate limits. And then if less than 10% is left, that we can kick off a web call to Slack or something like uh, a webhook rather. So even though this yeah. stuff is available, it's not very visible to the normal user. And depending on the versions of your apps or the version of your client tools, you're never going to see this, or you might get an ambiguous error that's not obvious. And these rate limits are real, especially if you're behind a corporate firewall, which so many of my customers still are, and they might even have to go through a, you know, a single VPN of the company to get to certain stuff. So they're now they're all sharing the same IP address, which is how they're rate limited a lot of times. So yeah, this is a big deal. And I think people don't think it's, they don't think about it at all until they hit the limit. And then they have to learn about what the limits are, how to deal with them, how to mitigate it. So it's cool that we, at least in this case, we're just getting back a JSON uh, table, but, uh, or JSON array. And, and that's a good point to, to mention to people. We did a whole show on this. In case you're curious about rate limits and Docker Hub, we have in this live show on YouTube, you just go to brett.live. You can go back in the episodes and we had, we covered at least an entire episode, maybe multiple episodes talking about Docker Hub rate limits and talking a little bit about this hub. Refresh my memory if I'm wrong. They added abilities, especially into Docker itself, so that for a lot of this work, we don't have to pull images. We can just do the header of an HTTP request, the head, and that reduces the bandwidth. It's the smallest level of a set of packets that we can get back to make decisions on and do things. And it also doesn't go against your rate limit, which is awesome because uh, traditionally the Docker tool to do some of these things, just to like retag an image would affect your rate limits because it has to pull all this stuff down and it has to push. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And in fact, when I do some of these commands, like copy commands, I'm not just pulling one image It's because it's based off of the manifest. And so when we're doing these commands, we can query that manifest and that's a very small query. But Docker counts that as one pull as soon as you touch that manifest yeah. for the whole yeah. image, even though you, you haven't pulled any layers yet. So you have to be careful with it. Yeah. Okay. So. And you have delete. So that, uh, yeah. By the way, delete is not a thing in Docker. Yeah. So when I get to my presentation at some point, not on this call, but whenever I finish the presentation, I'll push it online later on. 
when I get to the deleting images part, I say, we got the mirroring image command where you just say a pull and a tag and a push, and we've got the retagging command. And when you get to the deleting images, there's this Docker question mark and then some swear words coming after it because there is no command to delete an image in a registry from Docker itself. Yeah. So once you have something up in a registry, this is A, why when I started the registry up, I had to sp pass that extra flag that says, let's at least enable the delete because out of the box is not enabled. But then it's even more complicated than that. There is not an API call delete tags. And you cannot delete a tag by an API call. This doesn't exist. So when I run this thing, this actually doesn't exist, except it does. And I had to implement a little bit hacky. You can delete a manifest. You can delete that SHA for that whole manifest, uh -huh. but that will delete that SHA and every tag that points to that SHA. And so if you have like our stable and our latest image are the same right now, if I was to run some digest commands, if I was to do this on a image delete, this would delete all the tags that are pointing to the same thing instead of just the one tag. But now I delete that one tag. And the way I had to do that was actually push a fake image up there first with a different manifest. So I got a different SHA up there and then delete that fake SHA. So I kind of pushed a little temporary. It was basically an empty image, no layers in it. But I just had to push something different so I could get the tag to point somewhere else. And then I could delete that other thing. Is this, I'm, I'm just, just going to guess that on the distribution repo, there's a, a, a GitHub issue of people saying, please give us a way to delete with a if, single API. If code. you look at the OCI V1 spec, that is one of the things they're talking about. I don't know if they're going to do it, but it is definitely one of the things they have been discussing of people have complained about that before. It has definitely been an issue. I'm not the first person that's run into that. It'll be interesting to see if that comes into play at future. I mean, all registry web interfaces have a delete button. So I got to wonder what they're doing in the background. They're yeah. probably doing something similar. Yeah. That was a neat hack though. I, I was like, yeah, I don't know how you're going to do that. You're like, how does he do this? Yeah, it, it was one of those things where I was pacing the room for a while saying, how do I do this? Because Docker didn't do it and I hate deleting. You might have the, the cases all have a automatic retention policy where I say, let me go through and do a retention policy for all the automatically built CI images, just like the nightly builds or the things that just built constantly and then run to the test. Because I might go through and retag those later on. It says, this is the image that went all the way to production or staging or past all the normal tests. And so we're ready to call this something that we want to actually keep for a while. So we retag it. And I want to have a policy I can say, let me delete everything that only made it to that first step and clean those up because a bunch of those aren't important. But I don't want to accidentally delete something that was important. Right. And so to try to implement that kind of policy, I need to be able to delete the tag and not the entire manifest. Yeah. So there, there was a challenge there. So this last command here, this image digest command, anytime we want to look up and say, what is the current digest for an image? We can run that and actually get that SHA value so that we can then do other commands. So basically, yeah. so now we have regcuddle tag delete and we have regcuddle image delete. So when you do the image delete, they're gone. So the repo still exists. I didn't get an error that the repo doesn't exist, but yeah, all those images that we were up there working with, they were all the same image. So I wasn't doing any, you know, I, I'm trying to be nice to my Docker Hub pull limits right now. So the use case here is if you just have a bunch of tags that you want to get rid of all at the same time, because they're all referencing the same thing, instead of having to list all those tags and a bunch of different tag delete commands, you could just delete the image directly. Yeah, I think the other way to think about it is this was that other case we were talking about earlier, where if I was to delete the manifest instead of deleting the tag, this is what happens. Okay. Which is that we just nuked all of those tags, even though... You know, we might have thought that we were pulling just one tag for the latest, 
when we delete an image, it's not just that one image, it's every tag that points to that same image. So that's, it's slightly different. So that is in a nutshell, reg cuddle. So that is the command line way to do a bunch of this stuff. So I don't know how much longer you want to run your show, Brett, because I can go for a long while here, but I've got a couple other tools that I might want to talk about, at least at a high level. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll get time. So the second tool that I was working on was I said, okay, this is all great, but this turns into a lot of bad shell scripting here. And I think a lot of people that come out doing this stuff, they say, well, our real use case is that we just want to mirror something. We just want to take a source and a target and maybe want to do like a backup policy and back up the old image before we overwrite it with a new version of the image so that we can maybe something change upstream. I've had more than enough times where I'm depending on something like latest. And if I'm depending on latest, then I want to make sure that A, I get the newest latest, but B, in case latest breaks something, I've got a way to go back. And normally you don't have that option when someone changes something upstream, it's changed upstream and you've got to go find that shot or something like that to pull. We said, let me grab the image for BusyBox latest, but I'm also grabbing the latest, the version three and the three dot anything for the Alpine image. I am also grabbing the Reg Cuddle as well. And it's going to look at Reg Cuddle and say, I've already got that. But we're going through and we're copying all these images, all these different layers, and we don't have to know that it's now 3.12 or 3.13 or whatever the latest version of Alpine is. It's just going to go out there and list all the tags and figure that out for us. And it's also going out and saying, do we already have the reg client, reg cuddle from before? Are we getting ready to overwrite that? Let's not overwrite that. So let's not do that. And then there are a bunch of these layers that I don't need to copy. And so I need to synchronize the three image. But when it started to do that, it probably already had those images from the three dot, whatever the most recent version was. So it, it didn't need to do that a second time. So it just sped that part up. So ran a whole bunch of stuff. We copied a whole bunch of images over. All right, so let me uh, summarize real, real quick there. So reg sync a separate binary that you can either run directly or you can run it through an image you created. So it's a tiny little image probably, I'm guessing. And I'm assuming these images that you have, they're like single binary images. They're not actually like running on Alpine or BusyBox or anything. So I've got two versions of the image. One version, the one that I'm using right here is just a Golang single binary. The other one is that same Golang single binary in Alpine. And the reason I do that is for people that run this in CI platforms, sometimes they need a BinSH and some other stuff within the container to run their CI commands. So I just included a little bit minimal. Yeah, that makes sense. And so does this run as a, it looks like it was a one-shot deal. Does it also run as like a daemon? The daemon that runs yeah. the dash D? restart. I give it a name. I give it all that stuff. And so I can just kick this off here. Now, this is going to be super quiet. It's not going to, I'm just throwing the background. And if I was to look at the logs, in fact, let me pull those up. You'll see that there's absolutely nothing there. This was the container name I specified. I was RegSync. And it's just going to show nothing. And that's because when you run this stuff as a server, and I had a schedule to run every 60 minutes, when I run this stuff on a schedule, it doesn't kick off until that 60 minutes gets reached. Okay. I can specify that it's on an interval. I can also specify this with a like a cron syntax. So you can say to run this at the top of the hour every 15 minutes with the slash 15 notation, those kind of things. You can specify it either with an interval based off of when this command started up or with the cron syntax, however you need to do those two options there. And then, yeah, like you're looking for, this just runs as a service in the background constantly running, constantly keeping the stuff updated. So you always have an image or you always have your local registry that has these images that you're looking for constantly nice. updated. 
Yeah. I already, there's already teams that I can think of that I'm working with that they're dealing with two, possibly even three different registries that they're managing. One in the cloud, one in the data center, and then hub. And they have implemented this kind of automation with a lot of their own tooling, a lot of scripts, a lot of workarounds and hacky kind of stuff. And this is great stuff. I'm excited. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. impressed by the YAML idea because that's a really interesting idea of keeping things in sync through a YAML config that you just throw at a, a one shot or a, a binary for a server kind of thing. That's pretty neat. If we're doing anything with Docker at some point, it all goes back to YAML. It, we can't help <laughs> it. Somber. Right. One way or another, we're going there. I do have it checks for the rate limits. So if we check, if we try to pull from a registry and that registry has rate limits enabled, this will automatically stop doing it to the sinks when it starts hitting that rate limit. Yes. Right. Yeah. Don't have my backup sync breaking my, my client usage, assuming that they're the same account. Yeah. I mean, we're making a mirror of the registry. So theoretically, you've got an image that you pulled before that's still there. It's just a little bit stale. So keep at least a few pulls for some of these different images that aren't in the mirror for the developers to use. And this will catch up whenever it catches up. Yeah, it's nice. It's like a good citizen option there. I like that. It, I try to. I really try to. And then the Docker files, when I make my Docker files, I just specify, I pass the registry as an argument. My firm line has the registry there. In case you don't know, Docker IO, that is the short name or that's the kind of shorthand notation for Docker Hub, whenever you're making that for your registry name. And then if you pull an image that is not within a specific user's repo, it's under library. And so when I'm saying grab the Alpine mm -hmm. image, this is the long name of Alpine is Docker IO library Alpine. And then when I start to do my builds, I can just pass a build arg that says, let me use my local registry. And so the same Docker file that works easily if I want to push this up to Docker Hub and other people can use it, and this will just work for them. Now with this one build arg, now overrides going to Docker Hub and starts pulling my local registry internally. So this is what you can start to use in your local builds to try to use your local registry. It's just to pass this stuff as a little build arg that overrides stuff. All right. And then we have RegBot. RegBot came when I started to say, I want to have a way to do cleanups. You know, that uh, Docker tag delete or a Docker image delete, I mean, we had the two options there. I wanted a way to do a cleanup of some way. And I started thinking, okay, let me make a prune thing. And I want to start putting in the YAML file because we're all stuck with the YAML files at some point. And I started thinking about all the different ways that you can specify a retention policy. And it got really complicated really fast because some people are going to want to keep X number of images. They're going to want to keep images for X amount of time. They're going to want to keep all these different scenarios. Maybe it needs to be an image that matched from a CI build. So they know there's a certain label within the image. And so they want to actually query the image, grab a label out of there, see if it's a certain value and then delete it. There were so many scenarios I was saying, okay, we're getting past the point that I can easily do this with any kind of little YAML file. Right. And what I ended up coming up with is I started looking and said, well, whenever your YAML gets too complicated, it turns into a scripting language. There is an actual scripting language in this. Under the covers, this is what's called, if you go to look from back in the day in the gaming world, anybody that's been a C developer did embedded C, there was a embedded scripting language called Lua. Still used today. Yeah, still used today in games. Like still, <laughs> It is a very popular embedded language because this runs natively within your code. And so this is running natively within Go. It's not even calling C Go under the covers. They have implemented all this stuff natively in Golang, where it's now parsing all this script that I'm defining. And this, it's not quite Go. It's not quite a bunch of these other things. This is Lua 
syntax. But within all of the scripting language that I'm running, I'm going to make calls and I need to grab a reference. And so I'm going to pass the image name and I need to turn that into a reference in the Docker land that just says, just turn this into an object that I can work with that is a code notation of a image name that you want to pull down. And I'm going to make another reference for the same image name, but just with my local registry prefix to it. And so this is me saying, let me grab lib or library slash Alpine and make it the registry port 5000 slash library slash Alpine. So I can start looping through doing those calls. I can start making tag commands that says, let me list all the tags from the upstream repository, go through and start sorting all these tags in Simver order. And let me keep only so many of these things. And then as I go through and make the script, I can say, let me grab everything that matches a certain regular expression. It says, let me grab everything that is just a two dot notation of Simver and grab the last three versions of this thing. So I always had the last three versions. So I could get really complicated like that. I could get some really complicated scripting like that. And this is got the same image copy command, this calling the same API calls calling from a bash script. But now I've just got this more, it's all within Lewis. Now I can start right. maintaining variables. I can do my regexes. I can do a bunch of these other things that can't easily be done within bash. And this thing just contains multiple scripts. And so I just have another YAML entry for another script. One that was saying, let me grab all the date stamp entries in there. And then I said, let me grab the last X number. But then after I grab those, let me then check the target registry that I'm pushing this stuff to. And let me delete if I have more than three. And so this keeps, maybe you're keeping nightly builds and you want to keep the last week nightly builds. You can all automatically sync the last seven days and not have to worry about cleaning up the last seven days because the script is doing it for you. This is automatically going out there and saying, okay, I've now got eight days of nightly builds. Let me just delete that last one. The so you can do complicated things like keep the last three days of builds unless there haven't been any and always keep three or keep the last three days, but also always yes. keep three, three of the last versions or whatever. Don't delete everything in case we haven't built in three days or. Yeah, I could see how that could get really complicated quickly. Is there an easy button? That is, it's kind of on the pending to-do list. I want to start taking a bunch of these little scripts here and start to turn it into, here's just generic code snippets and just fill in a couple variables up top and then dump the rest of this code in there and this will do this X for you. And then okay. people can always get more complicated, but all they need to know is, hey, I put my little source image out there or the image that I'm cleaning up, the tag that I want to clean up, the number of days I want to keep, the image label I'm searching, and then the date format that's in that little field, if you specify those things, all this code is going to go out there and it's going to search all those images and clean up anything that's more than 30 days old. Yeah. Because a lot of teams, especially like solo DevOps people, right? They don't have the complex requirements, but they, especially if they're going to run a cache, they do need some sort of auto cleanup. So yeah, yep. see that there's a middle ground there. Yeah. And so I, that's kind of all my to-do list is take a bunch of these little pieces of code and turn it into, here's a snippet to do this, here's a snippet to do that, and kind of give you a bunch of those things to pick and choose from that you can now plug in. But that's kind of where this turned into, was I said, okay, there is no easy way to make all these policies out there within a simple YAML file without going to a full-blown scripting language of some kind. Right. And I didn't want to turn it into a big, big bash script and try to have a bunch of variables pass back and forth. And so this was a way to run it within Go. And because I used almost the same backend that I had before for the reg sync, I have things in here like a interval that I can pass through. A number of these things are running in parallel. I've got the registry credentials that I'm passing in up top. So all the same logic that I put in there before I can put in. And then within the script itself, there is something, the rate limits that I'm checking. So 
I can now check the rate limit within the script and just say, hey, did I hit that rate limit or not? And then wait for that to clear for us to get enough images to start doing our pulls. So this turns into a little bit more of a manual process to do the rate limit just because you might have a bunch of scripts running concurrently. It got a little complicated, but you can yeah. function call there to do that. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're doing a lot of this stuff in a larger team, your rate limits are going to be changing rapidly. Those numbers are going to go up and down, especially when they have that. Is it, it, it's a six-hour cooldown, right, on the rate limit? It is a six hour cooldown, but it is a rolling six hours. And so I've yeah. started a bunch of this stuff like three hours ago. And so I will get it a rolling X number pulls back in another yeah. three hours. So you got to check often before each action kind of thing. Yeah, I can see how that could be. A this so is that's amazing. What, that's what an amazing set of stuff. This is great. I, I had no idea that you had extended this uh, beyond the original Red Client quick demo that I had looked at when I first looked at the repo. It's really neat stuff. So, all right. What is your big ask? What can we ask the people that should they... Yeah. Throw in their ideas, try these tools, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I would love for people to give these things a try to play around with them. I've been using a lot of this stuff against the Docker registry, the registry colon two image you can pull down locally. I've done a little bit playing around with stuff like the GitHub registry. They've got a couple of those. Make sure it's, I think it's ghcr.io. They've got two registries. Make sure you grab the newer one out there. And not every API call works against every Git every registry out there. And so you might run into some of those edge cases where it's just the registry itself doesn't support it at all. But there may be some cases out there where I just assume too much out of the spec and some registry implemented a little bit differently. And so I'd love to hear if there are ever, ever issues people are running into trying it against different environments to find out where the edge cases are and how I can make this a little better. I'd love for people to try it out and give me some feedback. I got a question. If I had an image that I built using from OpenJDK and publish it to my private repo, it should have all the contents of OpenJDK in my private repo, not just the tag, right? It will have all the layers. And so all the parent layers are going to be over there. And then if you were to try to do a mirror of an image into there, we would see that, hey, all the layers already exist. We would just copy the manifest and not all the layers. You get that part of it, but the config itself changes, the manifest itself changes. So those parts are different, but those are very small. Right. So making sure I understand this. So when I do, when all of us have image, like most of our images, there's a from in the image, right? We're not, most of us are not doing mm -hmm. scratch images on Go binaries. And when I do that, so I have a Node.js app and there and there is a from Node.js at the top of my app. So when I do a regcuddle image copy command to my local mirror registry or whatever I want to use, it's technically copying my layers and then also that other images layers, like the, the from image, right? It's not, it's not going to depend on those it's going to mirror all the way up, I guess is what I'm saying, all the way up to the scratch yep. layer. You, you would get all those layers. When you actually say from, it pulls down all those layers, downloads everything for you. And all those SHAs for each of those layers stays the same. They never modify be, you know, back and forth because those are just a cryptographic checksum based off of all the contents of that layer. And the, that doesn't change. And so that therefore, when you start doing those copies back and forth, those stay identical. Yeah. You know, even if you move between a registry, those stay identical. And I'm assuming that on the new registry, it kind of works like Docker pushes do, where just because my from is from OpenJDK, I'm not necessarily going to see that listed in the library, right? It's it, it's not making that image in, in, into the registry. I would have to do a copy okay. of OpenJDK separately to make that work, right? Yeah, as soon as you say that from line, your image starts from that state and then you keep adding more layers on top of it. And so as you add more layers, you're going to add uh, new file system objects in there. You change the config object a little bit so you have new stuff in that little JSON file. Those get add on to it. And so you kind of, 
have this initial state that you start from, and then you just keep extending out more stuff. And then when you push it, those first 10 pieces of it are identical, but then the next five pieces are unique to your build and right. push that whole thing as a setup. And that's something like I have a team where they kind of have the golden masters, right? So they want you to always use their image registry, mostly due to the pull through caching problem. So they're using Harbor first and they have, they support no JS 10. And so they're always keeping mirrors, probably not using your tool yet, but they should. They're always mirroring all this stuff from hub. And so it's the hub version of Node.js of OpenJDK or whatever. And then a lot of their images depend on those. But if they want to see those listed as like root repos in the library, I didn't actually know that that was the URL for libraries. So I learned that too today. So that I could do a pull of Node.js just like I would from Docker Hub. I have to make sure that I'm including those in my copy commands, even though those layers, because really that's what's creating the repo. Because I guess it, that's what you're doing, right? When you do the copy, if it doesn't exist, it's going to create the repo before it pushes up the... Yep. And so when you do the copy, in this case, the, the V2 registry image, if you just sp start to specify a repo that doesn't exist, it just creates it for you. But otherwise, if you're in something like Harbor or some of these other registry servers out there, a lot of times you do need to specify that in advance on your registry server. So Oh, you got to manually create it. Okay. Yeah. There might be a... A, a bunch of them you do. Yeah. Permissions-based yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. This is super great. And I knew that we were going to run over and it was fine. We could talk about this for hours. And like talking about CI workflows and like the typical steps, if we were to use all these tools, what would the pipeline look like? You know, if we had an imaginary pipeline, tool agnostic, like we could talk about that in another show, I'm sure. But these are, this is the kind of the day in day out DevOps kind of stuff that gets lost when we're talking about new shiny tools. Everybody, we're always talking about Docker and Kubernetes and web GUIs and, you know, the latest cloud, blah, blah, blah. But these are the kind of tools that people end up needing day in and day out to just get their work done, whether they're a build engineer or they're the solo DevOps person in their, in their team that has to manage all of this pipeline stuff. So I appreciate yeah, so you many, doing this. So many times I go into a client and I'll do the project and I'll run out the door a week, week or two later after we finish up the initial work. And I've had a few that kept me on for longer and we realized real quick that it's, we start filling up the hard drive. And so getting the image copied over there, making sure that we're not breaking when something changes upstream because you might not find out in two weeks, but then later on the latest image does change and suddenly all your pipelines break. So there are a bunch of these challenges that I've found over a longer period of time with clients where we find these day two or day three challenges where you need to actually clean up our images on the registry without filling up the hard drive, where you need to actually mirror the image so that you're not depending on latest from upstream that you don't control. So yeah. try to capture a bunch of this stuff. Okay, okay, we'll do this as the last question. Is there an API that would check when was the last time an image was downloaded? Thinking about RegBot. Yeah, it doesn't show when the image was downloaded. It shows there's a creation date in the image man or in the image config. And so you can see when that image was built, if the builder populate that field. And so most of them, maybe run something like BuildKit or something like that. It will populate that field, but that only tells you when the image was built, not when you downloaded it. Yeah. And that's a tricky part too, right? So this is a whole separate discussion. Maybe we shouldn't go into it, but why not? We're here for a second. What is downloaded, right? That was actually a problem when Docker was implementing their hub rate limits and trying to control their bandwidth usage and storage. They were when they were thinking about rate limits, the, the captains, we were discussing with them the various ways that you could consider something downloaded because really an image is a manifest file plus a bunch of different tarballs. And which part of that would you consider the image? At first, if I remember correctly, yeah. they were actually counting the layers. And of course, if you had 40 layers, that would be 40 downloads. And then that, your rate limit would 
if it was the rate limits they have now, would you would be killed in a couple of downloads. You'd have one image that, that kills your whole rate limit. So then they decided to do the manifest, right? So the manifest, even though it's a tiny file, usually, that is considered the thing that is your rate. You've downloaded this image. So in a tool, the tool would probably have to be like a, the web server that's running your registry would have to just, if the HTTP call was to this JSON file, that was the last download. You, you could maybe check on the web server itself or whatever server we're running here when that manifest call was run. But yeah, exactly what you're saying is you've got all the layers that are separate there and which one do you want to count? Because sometimes you don't need to pull the layers. You might already have them. Yeah. And now that we have these head calls and it gets a little tricky and I can see where there would be an attribute. You could have an attribute maybe on a manifest that it's updated every single time and the manifest is pulled, but then you get like this weird nested problem of you're pulling the, the file. You actually can't do that because the manifest itself is a SHA. And so that is a mm. cryptographic, it cannot change. I will say this though, if you go looking at the OCI distribution stuff and I don't know if it's in distribution or there's also an OCI artifact project as well, there are some discussions about grabbing like some stats. And so you can grab the number of pulls and things like that and just try to make that a registry notation. You can hit that with an API call. Yeah, so there it's might not in the manifest, it's on the registry. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's a different we, API call that you could say, tell me about these polls. Because Docker Hub has some of these things like 11 million polls and whatnot. But as far as we know, they're doing that on their own with their own special tooling. And yeah, cool. Good question. But we might get that out of OCI at some point. So if you're interested yep. in that, go check out OCI. Go, go get some feedback on some of their PRs. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, all, if all of us are using this spec and we have different needs, we, we need to let the spec know. So I, that would be a good place to go do it is looking up the distribution spec. All right. Well, again, and I just realized that the other time I did have you on this year was for when we did the, was it the Swarm show? We did that as well as some DockerCon. So next time we're going to have to have you on when you get all this amazing feedback and you have like Reg Client 2.0. With all the OCI support and OCI distribution gets 1.0, yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. So this is really, and this is great stuff. So you can find him on GitHub. This is the repo under Reg Client. He's pseudo Mitch everywhere else. Pseudo B Mitch rather, his Twitter handle there. You can find him as B Mitch on Stack Overflow. And so if you ever see a gentleman in a cowboy hat with a bow tie answering your questions on Stack Overflow, that's this guy. Well, thank you, sir. Thanks for being on the show. And we will thank see you, you all. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. So thank you all. We'll see you on the internet. Ciao. Take care. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.